Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our CPR series looks at certain topics that come up in life, and we attempt to discuss them in a way that relates to everyone. At times, we bring in the arguments of those opposed to the Word of God in order to practice contending for the faith that God gave His Church. It is our prayer that you will be equipped to give a defense for the truths of the Christian faith with humility and respect. Welcome back to Burden and Blessing. My name is Nathaniel Mayhew, and joining me today is Pastor Mark Tiefel. We are continuing our series on the study of the apostles, those individuals that Jesus called to be followers of himself and then following his resurrection to be witnesses of his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. We've been taking a look at these individuals, these 12 men called by the Lord, and today we're looking at possibly the most famous or most familiar of all of them. We're looking at St. Peter, probably best known as St. Peter, although that wasn't actually his real name. Mark, glad to have you with us today as we take a look at the familiar icon uh, of St. Peter. And as we dig into a little bit of his life, maybe the most familiar of all, but also some of the less familiar things of his life and then certainly the applications to our own lives as well. Glad to have you with us today. Yeah, it's good to be back into the series and to start it off with one of the apostles that the Bible tells us the most about in Simon Peter. Well, let's start with that name to begin with. There's a lot that we do know about Peter. Again, what probably one of the most familiar, most well-known of all of the disciples of Jesus. Why don't you give us a little bit of a background on who he was, even though this might be familiar to the majority of our listeners? Yeah, so let's start with that name, Peter. His original name, he was Hebrew, he was Jewish, so his original name was Simon, and he's referred in that way in the Bible. But when Jesus called him, he gave him the name Peter, uh, which comes from the Greek, meaning stone or rock. And then he's also referred to in the scriptures as Cephas, which would be the Aramaic version of Peter. Aramaic would be the language that was spoken at that time. Greek would be the language that the New Testament was written in. So you think of Peter, you think of Cephas as sort of being a nickname for Simon that Jesus gave him. But as you see the story of Peter unfold in the New Testament, And you get to know more about his life and his interaction with Jesus and the lessons that he learned. You see how that name Peter really comes out, uh, the rock, the stone, uh, both in a good way and a bad way. When it comes to some of the biographical details of of Simon Peter, the Bible tells us he was the brother of Andrew, another one of the apostles. They were fishermen by trade up in the northern regions of Galilee. They were from the town of Bethsaida. And they were also partners with two other apostles, James and John, in the fishing trade. So these individuals knew each other before Jesus called them into service as his apostles. So most people are probably going to be familiar with the account of Jesus calling Peter. There's that familiar account. They're in their boats. Jesus goes out with them. Uh, Talk a little bit about that account. And then I'd like to back up to the probably the earliest time where Peter is exposed to Jesus in one of the other gospels. But you want to just give us a little bit of an overview of that account from 
it's found in a couple of the gospels, probably most familiar in Matthew chapter four, but uh, the call, what's often called the call of Peter. Yeah, so it's a really interesting story here in Matthew chapter four, where Peter is called by Jesus into service as, a, as an apostle. And essentially what was happening was that they were on the Sea of Galilee and they were had been had been fishing most of the day and were unsuccessful. And Jesus comes along and tells Peter and and the others who are with him to cast out again into the deep and and launch their nets out. And Peter's the first one to speak up and says, well, master, we've we've done this uh, all night and we haven't caught anything. It's been unsuccessful. But he agrees and, and goes ahead and does that. And immediately their boats are completely filled with a great number of fish, so much so that their nets were breaking. And we start to get an idea from this first story about Jesus' call to Peter about Peter's attitude and his response to Jesus, because he immediately comes back and his response is to fall on his knees and call out to Jesus and say, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And Jesus uses that opportunity to reassure Peter and say, well, from this point on, I'm not going to have you catch fish anymore, but I'm going to have you catch men. And it's the call of Peter into the ministry. It's really the seminal moment of his work as a disciple of Jesus, but also in some ways serves as sort of a microcosm of Peter's relationship with Jesus, where there would be times in the future as well, where he would be met with his humility and recognize his sin so that he would trust Jesus more. And so that he would be more emboldened for the call that God would lead him to. And it, you see the same type of sentiment play out again and again in Peter's life. What's interesting about that account is that it's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew and Mark have a simplified version of that. They actually don't have the miracle of the catch of fish. Only Luke records that part. But when you take a look at all three of them, you realize Sure, they, they all are recording the same event. And it was really that, that miracle, which was another reminder for them that the neat illustration from now on, you're going to be catching men in a miraculous way, just like with this catch of fish, a pretty neat thing to get started with uh, the, the ministry that the Lord was going to call Peter and Andrew and James and John all to. Well, let's back up a little bit earlier than this. It might seem strange if we start here. Here's a guy walking on the shore. He asks for a ride in the boat. He gets in. He preaches for a while. Uh, they have this huge catch of fish. Jesus says, hey, follow me. And then we're told that they leave their nets and follow him. It's like, wow, you know, they just automatically do this the first time they meet this guy. Well, this really wasn't the first time that they had met Jesus. And that's pretty important for us to understand, too. The first account of Peter coming to know Jesus or meeting Jesus, sometimes this is called his conversion is in John chapter one. Do you want to take us into that account? Yeah, this is an account that we've had before in this series on the apostles because it's important to many of the apostles. And foremost here when it comes to Peter, it also is the moment where his brother Andrew uh, comes into contact with Jesus. And we talked about that when we had the podcast on Andrew, how he actually came to know about Jesus first. And he comes then and brings his brother Simon uh, to know who Jesus is in John chapter one here. And very simply put in John chapter one, verse 40, 41, Andrew's message to 
Simon is, we have found the Messiah. He's there and he, he witnesses to his brother that they have found the long-awaited promised one of the Old Testament for God's people. And then in the next verse is where Jesus says to Simon, you are Simon, son of Jonah, you shall be called Cephas. So there in the Aramaic, Jesus gives Simon that nickname of Peter or Cephas, meaning a stone or a rock. And so this is what predates the account that we talked about in Matthew and Luke, where Jesus called Peter out to go and fish and then called him as a fisher of men. Peter already had an awareness of Jesus at that point, at that miracle story, because he had been introduced to Jesus by his brother, Andrew. Yeah, I think that's I think that's extremely helpful because a lot of times if we are just introduced to Luke chapter five or Matthew chapter four, it's like, wow, these guys just dropped everything and followed this guy the first time they meet him. And and that that really wasn't the case there. They probably were much more familiar that with Jesus than we even understand. We have this one account in John chapter one, but it's possible that they've already spent a lot of time with Jesus during, you know, in between John chapter one and when we get to Luke chapter five or Matthew chapter four. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Let's, we have a lot of material that we could discuss regarding Peter, but let's take a couple of examples of lessons that Jesus, during the life of Peter, that Jesus used in order to teach Peter along the way. We have a lot of really neat ones. You want to pick out one just to kind of highlight an example of Jesus using a situation during his ministry to teach Peter a lesson that's going to be valuable in his life following the resurrection and ascension of Jesus? Absolutely. So as I mentioned earlier with the call of Peter, the stories that unfold for us in the Gospels about Peter kind of follow the same model where he shows a bit of a headstrong attitude, which, let, which turns into a bit of reliance on himself. And he's brought back in humility in some way to the Lord to trust more fully. And you see the same cycle repeated similarly again and again with Peter. And for our listeners, a good place to go to track these accounts is the Gospel of Matthew where many of them are recorded in the greatest detail. But a lot of these stories are already going to be familiar to us. It's just a matter of understanding where they come in the Bible and in the timeline of Peter's life and ministry. One of the first ones that comes up in Matthew after his call is where Peter walked on the water. And Jesus was out there with his disciples in the boat and there was a great storm on the, on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus calmed the storm. And in the, before all that, he beckoned to Peter to come out and to walk on the water. And Peter does that. And we're told that immediately Peter notices what's around him. He notices the waves. He notices the storm going on and he starts to doubt and he starts to lose that trust and that reliance on Jesus. And he starts to sink. And the lesson out of that story for Peter was, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So it was a hard lesson, obviously, for Peter to learn. There was something miraculous that happened. And yet this, the reminder was, Peter, trust me. That was the reminder from Jesus. Two chapters after that in Matthew, we've got Peter's extraordinary confession where Jesus says to him, who do, you, who do men say that I am? And Peter responds, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter shows his faith there. Peter confesses Jesus as the Savior. Peter shows complete reliance on Jesus. And, and Jesus goes on to say, based on that confession, 
that's what my church is going to be built on is that confession of faith that I am the savior and well done, Peter. But just a couple of verses after that, when Jesus says, I need to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to have to suffer and die and rise again, Peter responds, far be it from you, Lord. Don't do that. Absolutely not. You can't do that, Lord. And that's where Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. So there again, you see Peter has high moments. Peter has low moments. Peter has moments where he shows his trust in the Lord. He has also has moments where he shows that lack of trust. And it's, and it's something that should resonate with each and every one of us as Christians and as believers. We go through that same cycle as well, just as Peter did. And then in the very next chapter in Matthew, Matthew 17, is the transfiguration of Jesus, where Peter, James, and John were allowed to come up on the mount and witness Jesus' transfiguration. And Peter, again, uh, doesn't quite understand the meaning of that. He wants to build three tabernacles there for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. He wants to capture the moment. He wants to keep it there. And he doesn't yet realize again that the purpose is not to stay there. The purpose is to go out and accomplish the mission that Jesus came to do. Uh, there's more stories out there in the Gospels as you trace it through, but you start to see that pattern with Peter in a lot of the familiar accounts that we know about him, of that cycle of humility and being brought back by the Lord. And one of the neat things about Peter, you mentioned that he was headstrong, <laughs> and he was. Generally, in the Gospels, when Jesus asks a question, he's the first one to speak up. And a lot of times he doesn't think before he speaks. Like the example that you talked about, get, you know, get behind me, Satan, after he says, Lord, this cannot happen to you. And Jesus puts him in his place. But, but one of the neat lessons about Peter, I think, as he asks these questions and makes these, these bold statements, is that, that Jesus teaches him humility. Maybe Maybe one of those familiar accounts, again, is the denial. At the end of his ministry, Peter has made this statement, Lord, if everybody leaves you, I will never leave you. I will never deny you. And Jesus even says, you're going to deny me. He says, no, I will never do that. Hours later, Peter denies his Savior three times. And one of my favorite accounts is the resurrection appearance of Jesus to Peter in John's gospel, where Jesus takes him aside. Do you want to take us into that just a little bit and, and show us the change in the, not just the attitude of Peter, but that he's really taken, taken into these, these lessons that Jesus has been teaching him for three years and that the Lord has prepared him for service in his kingdom as a result of that. You want to go in that John 20 account? Yeah, that's perhaps one of the most important story we know about Peter. One could certainly make the case for that. And you, it, 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 you have to pair it with his denial that happened a couple chapters earlier. And it's certainly a story that should not be forgotten when it comes to the resurrection appearances of Jesus. It's one of the most impactful ones. But Peter denies Jesus three times, and Jesus restores Peter then three times. And that, the, 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 the account is from John chapter 21. And Jesus approaches it from the perspective of asking Peter, do you love me? And he asks him three times, Simon Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter responds, first of all, Lord, you know that I love you. And the second time he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And the third time he says, you know, Lord, yes, you know all things. You know that I love you. 
And Jesus' command out of that then is to feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. And so Jesus is bringing Peter back. He's restoring him. He's reassuring him that he forgives him. But he's also helping Peter recognize what he needs to remember as he goes out and carries forward the ministry of Jesus. Now, Peter may not realize it at this time, but Jesus knows he's going to ascend. He's going to leave this earth. He's going to go into heaven, and the ministry is going to be entrusted to the church. And, and the leaders of the church at the very beginning would be the apostles. And so it's important that Peter understands his place in that and understands how best to serve the Lord, because it's this lesson that he's been learning over and over again throughout the Gospels, and it kind of reaches this pinnacle on on Good Friday when he denies Jesus three times, and and Peter weeps over that, and 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 Peter feels like he's a disgrace, and Jesus brings him back and shows him he's even forgiven of that, and the emphasis then for the call moving forward needs to be on that very same thing. The very same thing that changed Peter's heart is what he's going to then use to go out and change others. And that's exactly the same thing we all use as Christians, as ministers, pastors, and teachers. We use that same gospel message. And it means the most to us when we understand and believe that Jesus has done it first for us, that he's restored us, he's brought us back from our sins and our mistakes. And so Peter learned that lesson, and it really is the pinnacle of all of those ways that Jesus was bringing Peter back. And it was to equip him as an apostle. But most of all, it was because Peter was one of Jesus' own children by faith as well. He was one of the blood-bought souls that Jesus paid for on the cross. And that was what was most important, is that Peter's faith, first of all, would be centered on Jesus. And that then would equip him to go out and share with others. And, And you mentioned as I said, Peter is always known for being headstrong, right? But this story on Easter paired with Good Friday also helps us realize Peter was able to recognize his faults. Peter was able to learn his lesson, to accept humility, to repent. He had no problem doing that. And he had plenty of times where he needed to. And that, that, that might be even more of an indicator of Peter's faith than the fact that he was headstrong. We always remember him for that. But let's remember him more for his willingness to repent and to trust in Jesus when he was confronted with his mistakes rather than to run from them. My dad always used to say, stubbornness isn't a problem as long as it's directed in the right way. And, yeah. and Peter's kind of like that, isn't he? Absolutely. Uh, he was certainly stubborn. And yet, if you direct stubborn to be stubborn for the right things, and yet have that, that ability to be corrected when you're wrong on the basis of God's word, that is, a, that is a wonderful quality. And we see that in Peter. You mentioned when we were looking at John 21, Peter's faith, and we've talked a little bit about his confession also. I really don't want to leave this study without talking a little bit about Matthew chapter 16, which you mentioned earlier. This is where Peter gets his name, and it is often misused and misunderstood, um, in particular Christian circles in particular. Uh, This is the section where Jesus, he makes his confession, you are the Christ, the son of of the living God, and And Jesus responds and he says, 
you are Simon, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will, so Peter means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And then he gives Peter the keys in verses 19. Can you just kind of take us into that verse just a little bit and give us a little bit of an overview of what we have to be careful about there and how we can properly understand that interaction with Jesus? Absolutely. It's one of the important stories about Peter that circulates in the church today. And for our listeners, if you're familiar with Christianity, you might realize that in the Roman Catholic Church, this is where the difference comes in, what, in what they teach about Peter based on this section. And they claim that this is what constitutes Peter being the first pope in the Roman Catholic Church, is this section here from Matthew 16. And so Peter makes that confession in verse 16. We'll start there. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. No one can argue that that's the proper confession. The, the question comes in in the very next verse when Jesus says to him, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And then in verse 18, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So the Roman Catholic Church would say that that's where Jesus is indicating he's building his church on Peter. Peter is the first pope. The church is built on the pope. So all of the popes after have that same quality and that ability that the church is built on them. And then when he gets into verse 19 and gives him the office of the keys of locking or unlocking the kingdom of heaven, that that is given exclusively to the Pope as well. Obviously, there's some major problems here. First of all, we know from other sections of scripture that the church is not built on any person, any human. First Corinthians 3 tells us no other foundation can anyone lay than that which has been laid, which is Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He is the foundation of the church, and we are built on him. And that's what Peter confessed. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. So what did Jesus mean when he said, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church? Well, the key is in the text, Peter, which means rock, is a different word than what Jesus used when he said on this rock. So if I remember correctly, I believe Peter, the word Peter is like an individual stone. So he says, you are Peter. You are an individual stone. Obviously, Jesus gave him that nickname for a reason. And then when Jesus goes on and says, and on this rock, he's talking more about a foundation or a bedrock. And it's two different words in the Greek. So it's confusing somewhat from the English translation. We don't necessarily see that difference come out. But in the way that this text was originally recorded and the way that Jesus spoke, the difference was much clearer. So he's telling Peter, you are a rock. You are part of this foundation of the church, but it's on the foundation, the confession of Jesus as the Savior, that the church is going to be built. And when, and when he gives Peter the, the right to exercise the office of the keys, to use the gospel ministry to lock or unlock the kingdom, it's not given exclusively to Peter. He's talking to Peter in this section, but we know from John chapter 20, the same gift was given to all the other apostles. And we know from the rest of the Bible, all believers have the responsibility and the privilege to go out and share the word of God. Peter would even write of that in his epistle when he talked about the priesthood of all believers. So very similar to Peter, the person is also the work that Peter would do as an apostle. It's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's built on the confession of his word that, that teaches to us 
what Jesus has done for us. And that's what our ministry is built on. That's what the kingdom of heaven is based on. Not an individual, Peter, but the true man, true God, Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, the way that I've always described that is that the the rock upon which the church is built is the confession that Peter made, you are the Christ. Uh, And that is such an important thing to understand that it's not Peter. In fact, if it is Peter, we've got problems because if you look down just a few verses later, that's when Peter says, "Hey, you can't die." Yeah, that's why and, I pointed that out. Is because right. yeah, and and how, how many how many examples do we need in the Gospels that Jesus was not basing his ministry on Peter the person? I mean, there there's no other apostle in there's right. no other person in the Gospels that Jesus brings back in humility and rebuke more than Peter that's many times. Right. Yep. Well, one of the things that we like to do when we're going through these studies on the apostles, Mark, is to to hit some things that are less familiar, which is a little bit harder with Peter because most of the things about Peter are more familiar. But can you can you kind of give us uh, enlighten us a little bit about some things that most people may not know about Peter? There are some interesting things that are kind of behind the scenes with Peter. Uh, for example, uh, his time in Rome. And his involvement with one of the Gospels in particular. You want to take us into a couple of those things that are less familiar about Peter? Absolutely. Yep. We 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 know a lot about Peter, not just from the Gospels, but also from the Book of Acts. Uh, after Jesus's ascension, Peter was still a main individual and leader in the church. And in in some ways, we see a little bit different version of Peter after the Gospels. We see. Peter, who had learned his lesson from the ministry of Jesus. And Peter in the Gospels is always so afraid to be detached from Jesus. And what he finally is when Jesus ascends, he becomes a stronger Christian through that because he's relying on the word again that Jesus proclaimed to him. So some things about Peter in the book of Acts, he preaches three different sermons there. Obviously, he's the main speaker on Pentecost Sunday. Uh, He also writes two epistles in the New Testament that show us more about his personality, but also about how his faith had developed and how he had he had grown in his faith uh, after the time of Jesus in the Gospels. Uh, The gospel account that Peter seems to have a strong connection to is the gospel of Mark. It's believed by many that Peter had a strong influence on helping Mark, who was not an eyewitness of the events of the Gospels, see his own Peter's own eyewitness testimony and kind of use that as a resource to write the gospel. If you follow Peter through in the book of Acts and in the early New Testament, he had quite a few interactions with Mark who would go on to write the gospel and would have had ample opportunity there to share his experiences as an eyewitness of Jesus. And both of them, both Mark and Peter, are found in the city of Rome late on where it's possible that Mark wrote his gospel using Peter's eyewitness account. Yeah, pretty pretty neat relationship between Peter and Mark throughout the, the later part of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. How about some interesting legends about Peter? Now, again, these things are beyond scripture, and we've tried to make that point throughout this series that uh, these things aren't necessarily verifiable, but there are some interesting legends about the Apostle Peter also that follow the recording of the New Testament. You want to take us into and just kind of give us an overview on some of those things? Perhaps the most well-known legend about Peter was that in his time in Rome, 
he became the first bishop there, which might be a bit of the Roman Catholic theology entering in because they want to place him there as the first pope in Rome. But that he, he certainly was present there and he had a great influence on the church there. But the the most popular legend about Peter in Rome was that he was crucified and martyred for his faith under the reign of Emperor Nero. And those who know their history know that a great persecution against the Christians erupted during the time of Nero. And so it would certainly fit that this could have taken place. And it's believed in this legend that Peter was going to be crucified just as Jesus was crucified. And Peter requested that he was not worthy to be crucified in the same way as his Savior, so he asked that he be crucified upside down. So sometimes the symbol for Peter in the church is an upside-down cross indicating what's believed to be the way that he was martyred. Sometimes you'll also see the symbol for Peter being the two keys that is synonymous with the papacy today, indicating the office of the keys. Again, that was a symbol that developed more out of Roman Catholic theology than actual scripture. Another legend about Peter is connects to another individual in the New Testament, Simon the sorcerer from Acts chapter 8, and it's said that Peter had um, a battle of sorts with Simon the sorcerer in Rome and condemned him there um, as you know a false teacher and somebody that was opposing himself against God and Peter as the leader there kind of had this theological battle against Simon the sorcerer again not something that's verified by scripture but interesting to us because it connects Peter with another individual in the Bible interestingly there's a very old tradition that holds that both Peter and Paul were put to death on the same day by orders of Emperor Nero, 68 AD. And for that reason, the church has recognized both Peter and Paul on the same day, June 29th, for since the year 250 AD. I mean, this goes way, way back. So oh, this is an ancient yeah. tradition, which is kind of an interesting thing. Imagine this, both Peter and Paul being put to death on the same day, these two powerful figures within Christianity. And, and yet, there's the old expression that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You know, we see when there is persecution like that, that the Lord raises up new individuals in order to continue on that fight for him and in his service. So some, some very interesting things about the Apostle Peter. We'll have the opportunity to talk a little bit about the Apostle Paul as well. Another very, very familiar individual within Christianity. Not one of the 12 in the sense that they were, he was called by Jesus in the same way that Peter was, but certainly one that took that role in later years. Any other thoughts, Mark, on Peter in close? Well, I was thinking about a good way to close this lesson on Peter. And there's, again, part of the struggle is there's so much th that we could point to. But one passage that popped in my mind as I thought about Peter's legacy to us in the church today was Hebrews 11, verse 6. And part of that passage says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I think that's a good summary of what we see through Simon Peter. In the Gospels, you see somebody who was so willing, somebody who was so boisterous and bold, somebody who wanted to please Jesus. He wanted to serve Jesus. And what he didn't realize so often was that the best way to serve Jesus is to trust Jesus. 
and he and and the Holy Spirit then will take care of the service that the Christian so longingly desires to give God. And so that was what Peter learned throughout his life. Uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I can't do it by my works. I can't do it by my effort. I can't do it by my wisdom, my intuition, my feeling. The, the only way I can serve God is to trust what he has done for me, is to believe in his promise and, and what he has done for me through Jesus, my Savior. And what a beautiful legacy given to us by Peter and one that he really embraced in the book of Acts and onward after Jesus left the earth. And it, that's why it's sad that so many people in Christianity today continue to use Peter to prop up this idea of what you must do, how great you must be, how much knowledge you must have, how many works you must do, when really it was the exact opposite for Peter. And he'd be the first to say it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But then with faith, what what a multitude of blessings we have through our Savior Jesus. Yeah, I think that's a great passage to to summarize and sort of encapsulate what Peter's Christian life was all about. Uh, and he learned that. Sometimes he learned that the hard way. Uh, the Lord uses that. But isn't that true also in our own lives? That it's through those those times where we doubt or where we our pride comes out that the Lord comes to us and says, hey, you're, you're looking in the wrong direction. Don't look to yourself. Look at me. I'm the one. Uh, just, just like, as you pointed out, get out of the boat, Peter. Yeah. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus. And as long as our eyes are focused on Jesus, who is the creator of all things and who has all things in his hand, it's going to be fine. Uh, and we have, sometimes we have to learn that lesson the hard way too. Absolutely. Mark, thank you again for taking us through this. I've, I have really enjoyed this series as we've gone through and studied a little bit. You and I both love history. Hopefully there's many of our listeners that enjoy this historical glimpse into these characters of the New Testament and so much of what we can learn from in their example. Uh, what, a, what an example for us and so beneficial in living our own lives in a similar way as well. Lord, keep you all. Thank you for joining us again today. We'll look forward to finishing out this series with a few more of the apostles of Jesus. We hope that you will join us for that. The Lord keep you all. We hope that you will join us next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing Podcast. Our goal is always to bring you the whole counsel of God. Until next time, go in the strength of the Lord and preach the word.